speaker that is speaking tonight. It is not me, uh, but it is my son, Jonathan, again. So would you just give him a warm welcome, and I will get out of the way. Thank you. Good evening. How are we doing today? I forgot that I've done this before. <laughs> i got to remind myself of that. Um, damn, it's, it's such an honor and privilege to be in front of you today, and I don't take this lightly, um, you know, that we serve a good God. And I'm not going to dwell on this too long because that's not the message today, but we have the most amazing God. And I just want to point that out because when you understand how great he is, anything else that comes out at you is falls short and it's not worth getting the littlest bit upset about. So bear with me as I get my notes here. While I'm doing that, turn to the person next to you and say thank you for coming. And for some of you that drove together, you're really happy that you both made it, you know? (laughs) Anyways. But man, we serve a great God. And he's worthy of everything and all the honor and all the glory that we can give him. So for as much clapping as you guys just gave me, I need you guys to give it up for God. I need you guys to give me some energy tonight. I serve a great God. All right. Let's get into some prayer quick before we get into this. So if you'd bow your heads with me. Um, Thank you, Lord, for tonight that you can really help wherever wherever people are coming in today, Lord, that you know where they are, Lord. Help them to experience your presence today, Lord, through this message, that they might see something new that you're doing in their lives, Lord, and that they understand the love that you have for them, and that you are a loving and amazing God, Lord. Thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, this is not something typical I'd be talking about, but my title for tonight is Character of and in God. And what I want to talk about is how when we understand the character of God and how he treats us, we get to reflect that in our own lives. And he builds that in us. Um, a little on a personal note, it's, it's been a pleasure to serve here for as long as I've been alive, honestly. Um, you know, there's, there's moments that it just feels like I wouldn't want to be any other place on earth that, you know, what you do here for, for God is always such a blessing. And, and I want to encourage you, wherever you find that, keep stepping into it and step into it more. Um, with that said, uh, I, I've had moments where it's like, you know, you feel like you're doing the littlest bit amount, you know. And in life, I know we can get like this to some degree where we feel like, Sometimes what we're doing doesn't always feel significant or even the littlest bit spiritual. But what I want to talk about tonight is how in those moments God can take that and just by your obedience, that's all he wants. And then through that, he builds character in you. So an example that 
looking back is tied into this message is I was in the foyer for some reason stacking chairs or something and I just wondered, God, how someday might you use me and how might I make an impact for you? And I felt like we all get kind of frustrated at times when it feels like we're just doing the basic things like I'm saying. But as you'll see soon, sometimes the basic things is how God builds something in your life. So, with that said, um, so in our modern culture, when we pray sometimes, we, we focus on the situation rather than us to some degree. We're like, oh, Lord, help, help that person change, help, help this situation change, help. In whatever sense you need it, we pray for the situation more than we pray for ourselves. But in a lot of times, God wants to change you in prayer. And we've heard this tons of times before, but that God likes to change the person praying rather than the situation. Because then he's building in you a character to have a better effect on that situation. And with that, Sometimes we feel like we're called to things, and we say this a lot, and it is scripture that we are all called. But we're also called to be someone. God has called each and every one of us to be someone, and that's in the image and likeness of him that he's created you to operate in. So bear with me here. I'm kind of all over the place, but I'm getting somewhere. So... um, With my message today, I want to talk about how God builds character, God's character, and how he wants to reflect that in us, and how we need to um, show the characteristics of him. So, in school, we have to take tests along the way, right? I know personally, I don't like that aspect of school. I wish, you know, we could do without it, but, but that's part of life. And in life, if you haven't been around long enough, there's, we take tests in life to get to certain areas. We wish we could just, um, to some degree, just be in first grade and then go to high school and then be done, you know? And it, but that's not how it works. It's a process because you're building your knowledge of what you need to know in order to get to that place and operate in that place. So, I mean, we can even see this with Jesus. Uh, I think I had the scripture, Luke 2, verse 52, uh, where Jesus even grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So, like I was just saying a couple minutes ago, that even when I felt like I was just doing some of the most basic stuff, God is using that, and he has used that, to help me grow in wisdom and stature. And I, it's funny because... I didn't think I was going to mention this, but um, even when it was some of the dullest tasks, I would like sweep in the foyer or sweep in stairwells or something. It was was always neat because I took that as much as I didn't like that opportunity as an opportunity to pray and for God to teach me things through that time. So side note, when you got to do something you don't like doing, pray during it. It helps. Um, But back to the scripture. So, we can be in these moments in life where God's trying to teach us something and, and build something in us and get us excited about what he's doing. And we just want to get to this place of already being 
impactful or having the resources to do what he wants you to do. But we can even see through different scripture stories in the Bible that with Joseph, God had to take him on this journey to get to that place to fulfilling that dream. You know, because he, he, if, if he just at 17 had that dream and then was already in, in the position of power he would have been, he just, I mean, you can see what he did originally with the dream. He, he went out and told his brothers that I'm basically better than you. And, you know, it was like, so God had to bring him along to be able to get to that place of character and to get to that place to operate in it. You know, so God isn't going to bring you somewhere where you're not ready for. And that, that's a key verse, too, that he's not going to give you more than you can handle. And trust in that. Trust in that. So, oh, that's what I was going to talk about. Um, it's funny the things that stick with you over time. I, I remember one of the examples my, my grandfather used to end some services with in I can't remember the exact details of it, but it was something to the degree that, oh, I have, I have a uh, peach tree in my front yard, but if I wanted it to be something else, like like an orange tree, if I went out and go glue oranges to it, and the storms came and blew those oranges that I glued off, that doesn't make it an orange tree. It was like that to some degree, but I just I'm connecting that to say that. In life, when we get to these situations that we want to have the impact and, and, and growth that we desire and to be able to walk in that fullness of God, we have to trust that he's growing it from the ground up. You know, like that tree, you can't, we can't just pretend to be something that we're not. You know, in that sense that God has to bring that up in you. So let me give you a straightforward definition of character. Character is defined as the way someone thinks, feels, behaves, and someone's personality. So it's interesting in the Bible that when we have Bible characters, that they either acted or thought a certain way. Okay, whether they were good or they were bad, Pharaoh, Moses, etc. But they acted and thought a certain way. And a common principle in life is that, that how you think, to some degree, determines the outcomes in your life. And God wants you to... When he builds that character in you, he's changing your thinking, he's changing your thoughts, he's changing your attitude to the situations that you're in. So... A common principle that I want to point out tonight is that we can know the reaction that we can have to encountering God. So, for example, there's this story of where coffee might have come from. I say might because it's, it's a stretch. But there was an Ethian goat herder around 800 AD, I believe it was. And uh, he went over to his goats and he noticed they were acting strangely. And he was like, what are you doing? Like, they're all hyper and excited. And obviously, we can gather that, you know, they ate coffee beans. And so what happened is the, the goat herder tried some of the coffee beans, and he found himself excited and, and 
full of energy. So then he took it to this monk, and the monk basically said, no, that's of the devil. That can't be anything related to what God's created in his creation. And the monk apparently threw them in the fire. And for some of you, when we wake up in the morning, we like that smell of coffee. That was created when they threw them in the fire. And so what the monk did is he dug them out, and he put them back in, in some water, covered it, and then he tried drinking it, and he realized it helped him stay up to, to start some prayer time. But I say that to show that the goats encountered the coffee beans, and they reacted with excitement, okay? If we can get woken up, woken, excuse me, woken up on coffee, how much more can we get woken up on God? Okay, To that degree, we get that by experiencing and knowing him. And the principle is that the goats were acting weird and energized and excited because they encountered something so powerful. God wants you to encounter him. And to that degree, he, he wants you to understand and know him. So, what is our source? Well, it's God. So, I didn't pick all the characteristics of God because I don't know all of them, okay? <laughs> so, here are some common ones i found of God and that I'm learning and he's building in my life as well. And the first one is that God is all-powerful. You see it throughout the Bible that God can act and prove his power any way he wants uh, a great story of that is Elijah, and the many. There's so many powerful, powerful stories in that. That um, he brought the wid- widow's son back from the dead, Mount Carmel. He rained fire down from heaven. But the point is that God is all powerful. So whatever you're going through in your life, whatever situation there is, know that the Lord you serve is all powerful. Following that. Is God is sovereign. Now, it was about two weeks ago when I learned what sovereign meant, so bear with me. <laughs> but sovereign, God is sovereign. So whatever he wants to happen will happen, regardless if we're involved with it or we're not. You can see that through the story of Esther. There's, there's a famous verse there where um, she's told that if she does go up to the king and tell him that, you need to save my people, that if she didn't, God would still do it. Because through that line came Jesus, and you can see his work there at hand. The next point that I want to prove is that God has integrity, and he's pure. So integrity means to be whole, something that's whole. And we can associate that with being holy to some degree, but it's more of a wholeness that he has himself. That's why he says, I am. He says, I am A through Z. That's why he is. And look, we serve the most complete God there is. And he wants to build a certain completeness in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Next is that he is holy. So the simple definition in the Hebrew is that holy means to be set apart. So with that, God is set apart from sin. That's what we talk about in songs like he's holy, 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 that he is, 
and never will be associated with sin. So that we have to take into account that when we're going through situations and God's building you into something, he's trying to build that holiness in your life to some degree to where you are set apart from sin. And, and that can be exciting to some degree. It can be scary to some degree because then he will begin to root things out of your life. And I'm sure many of you have seen this, but when, when God begins to work in your life, the other things that you might do to find hope and wholeness just don't seem as fulfilling because when you encounter God, that holiness takes hold of you. The next characteristic is that God is holy. Oh, I'm sorry, I already did that one. Sorry, I'm a little under the weather, so bear with me. But God is merciful. That's what it was. God is merciful. Um, we can see this in the, the New Testament a little bit more because we see Jesus come down and he does many acts of mercy towards us as humans. And, and he is the ultimate act of mercy that God did through us, but you can also see it in the Old Testament as well. And we obviously can't always understand God, but an example of that is Noah. So when God flooded the earth, He decided maybe I love I love humanity enough to not destroy it entirely. So He saved Noah from that because Noah was faithful to God. So we can see His mercy there. And this last characteristic that I want to point out is that. God is faithful. God is faithful. And that's exciting. That's exciting. That means no matter what we do or somebody else does to us or whatever somebody else does, that God loves you still the same. That you can't run from God's love. And that he's always going to love you the same as you are a child of him. Faithfulness, as I've seen it, is choosing to be consistent with character. So if a lot of times as humans, when we choose not to be faithful, what happens is there's an absence of love, okay? When there's an absence of love, judgment and condemnation starts to step in. We start picking out things in others that aren't the greatest, and we decide that, hey, I'm not perfect, so they're not either, so I'm going to bring them down to my level. But to add to that, that's where there's an absence of love. And with an absence of love, there's a lack of faithfulness. So in life, we have to be faithful in the character God has shown us. An example of that is the prodigal son. As we see it, no matter how low the prodigal son got... He always had that opportunity to come back to the Father. And the Father embraced him with wide open arms. An interesting concept that I'm seeing in myself lately is that when we do mess up, and no matter what it is that you've done, that we put too much judgment on ourselves. We do. We think that because of something I've done, I can't experience God right now or I can't be near him and to some degree before Christ came that was true but because there is a savior you are saved and you can still encounter that God and he loved you enough to do that and send his son so 
I've heard this example before that if if Judas, well, think of it this way: if do you think if Judas came to Christ and asked him for forgiveness, he would have said yes? He would have, because he's consistent to that character, and that's what Christ does. No matter if you sell him out or whatever you do, you're still able to see that faithfulness in the character that God has towards you. To that degree, God wants you to run to him when things go wrong. No matter where you are, you can have that wholeness in your life that comes with God's integrity. God's integrity is there for you that you might be made whole yourself. Additionally, God wants you to be like a mirror and to reflect him to others. So like I was just saying, you, you get to show, first of all, you get to, I think you've said before, Dad, that you get to be the beneficiaries of God's love. And as well as that, you get to share that with others. So with that, God wants you to mirror his characteristics to others. And that's why God was, Jesus was called the living word is because he exemplified those same characters, characteristics. And it's a, it's a weird way to say it, but character exudes characteristics. Does that make sense? It's, it's not, it's, I'm making it sound more complicated than it is, but does that make sense, everybody? That with the character God's building in you, in your life, comes characteristics of him. And that's why you're made in the image of God. Now comes the fun part. And this is how he builds the character in us. And some of the main ways I've seen is through testing and through trials. You can see in... in um, I'm getting ahead of myself. Never mind. So trials are our circumstances to some degree. Trials will be whatever you're going through in life at this current time that God wants to build a certain character in you. So uh, the person that prays for patience doesn't just get patience. They get opportunities to be patient. Okay? So that's God building the character in you. So... He allows testing of that character. Like we just said with school, that if, if you don't go through elementary school and middle school, when you get to high school, you're not going to know what you're doing. Okay, So with God, when he's, he's leading you somewhere, and he needs you to grow in what he's bringing you through right now. So, an example of this, and this past two Sundays we've been talking about tithing, that's an example of God providing you an opportunity. So the heart of it is what they've talked about is that when God asks you to do something, you need to do it. So when God asks us to do something, are we faithful to step out on that? And in that, he builds something in us. He builds a consistency and a steadfastness to that character. So... No one likes testing, but it's a fact of life that we all have to go through. And I'm not saying God's going to punish you and, and take everything away from you because you want to become dependent on him. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying that God's going to give you opportunities to experience the wholeness and integrity that he's, he, he has himself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. 
Before we get into the next point, I gotta take this off. Excuse me. So, know he loves and cares about each of you deeply, and that's why he's building this in you, because he sees you as that character that's being built, and he's building that in you. Uh, James 1, 2, verse 4 says, My brothers and sisters, think of various tests you encounter as occasions for joy. After all, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let this endurance complete its work in you so that you may, might be fully mature, complete, and lacking nothing. I don't like that verse. I think a lot of us see that first verse, James 1, verse 2, and think, uh, I'm not sure. Sorry, could you go back to 1, verse 2? Perfect, thank you. See the word joy there after tests. And I don't know about you, but like when I'm in school and they say there's a test coming, the complete opposite of joy takes hold. So... How in life am I supposed to understand having joy when we face tests? Well, let me tell you that the difference is that God is with you and you know him. And with that, you know who's bringing you through this. And you know what is being done. You might not understand it, but as we see here... It's occasions for joy. Get excited because God is growing something and building something in you. Man, it's not being optimistic. There's a difference between being optimistic and, and having joy here. It's not saying that, oh, my car just broke down. Wonderful. You know, that's, that's a sarcastic type of joy there. And that's not what God's asking here. He's asking us to, to be, mm, be excited that he's growing something in you. So those situations, like my first example of like stacking chairs in the, in the floor, take every opportunity as a chance to be joy because of the Lord we know. Because even the littlest things we're doing, his obedi- obedience is a powerful thing to God. And that's what, he re- that's what he requires and loves when we give it to him. Um, one of the versions that, of this says, your faith produces steadfastness. Has anyone heard of that before? Steadfastness. Cool. I didn't. So I looked it up and I found out that steadfastness basically means to be consistent in your belief. So we need to be consistent here, it says, and let it take its full effect. And the only way you get the full effect is if you be consistent in what God is bringing you through and being consistent to the character he has for you. So an example of this is, you know, you're driving. We always use the the car analogy in church, I think. Um, But you're driving. Somebody cuts you off. Count it all joy when you encounter occasions that you're being tested. So, I have two options of the following outcomes. Get really upset, lay on the horn, or be steadfast to a character created in Christ and just let it go. 
See, that's a silly example, but it's relevant because it's even, as God works in the little things of serving, he also works in the little opportunities, you know. So, take it all joy when you get cut off in traffic. So, an interesting thing is that when these trials and, and things happen, that we sometimes run from them. You know, we can see that through the story of Jonah that God had something for him, and he tried running from it. And sometimes when things are going wrong in our life, it could be a lack of, of submission to God's will. And that, that gets dangerous because that doesn't just affect you. That affects the people around you. As you see, uh, as when Jonah was on that boat, it affected the people on the boat too. You know, And to add to that, God will always help others find you out when you're not following what he's told you to do. You know, like, cause you can see through the story, I think the fishermen came up to him and were like, I'm sorry, not fishermen, but the sailors came up to him and were like, um, we haven't ever experienced this before, so could you please tell us why you're on our boat, first of all, and then second of all, the plank's over there. So, anyways, but what I'm saying is that when we try and run from God's call, bad stuff happens. And, and we live in a life that isn't holy. And that holy, as we discovered earlier, is one of the characteristics of God, is that's being set apart from sin. So when we run from God, we try and live a life that's unholy. We try and be with the sin. And God doesn't want that for you because he loves you. And he wouldn't have sent his son if he didn't. And because of that, he wants you to experience that integrity and wholeness of character in your life. So... Embrace God's call for you. So, the next one. We've quickly covered um, trials. Let's cover temptation. Um, Temptation's tough, because that you feel like you're gaining something. And the devil knows kind of some of us that we think we're smart, and we're like, oh, I'm gaining something here. Uh, whereas like a situation, you feel like, oh, I'm doing this because God asked me to, you know. So on the other side of things, temptation feels like we're gaining something. It's interesting. We can see in Luke 4, verse 1 through 13. I don't, I don't know if I gave that to you guys, but that's all right. So that, that part of Luke talks about Jesus in the wilderness and, and him experiencing his sole dependency on God at the time. And as well, you see the devil come and try and tempt him. And we see that the devil tries tempting him with, with physical needs. Hold on, I gotta remember. Physical needs, power, and authority. And then he, Satan takes a challenge to God's power and protection of him. So in your life, we might have opportunities where we were tempted to do something that hasn't even been prompted by a situation to some degree. Like, we'll, out of the blue, we'll just be like, you know what, I, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling very unsettled right now, and I need to just go do something to deal with it. But let me tell you that God wants you to go to him to deal with it. You see that in life, 
Also, as we talked about in the beginning, that God wants to grow something in you. And Satan wants to just make you think you can get to that place without the growing. So that's what he does with, with Jesus. In the wilderness, he says, I can give you power. And, and, man, as we talked about with the goats, that when you encounter something, you know how powerful it is. Christ had an encounter with God in a firm relationship that he exuded the characteristics of. And with that, he had a firm steadfastness to that character that he didn't give in to temptation. So the devil will try and compromise the integrity God has for you. So we understand, though, integrity is the wholeness God has for you. With that, the devil tries to tell you that you could be something better if you did it this way or that way because God's way doesn't make sense. But I'm here to tell you that it might not make sense, but he's got you because he loves you. And I know I'll keep saying that, but he does. He cares about you more than you even know. So trust his ways. Trust what he's bringing you through. You might not understand all of it, but he's bringing you somewhere. And trust that it's far further than anything you could gain with giving into temptation. So character and characteristics. Throughout the Bible, it talks about being in the Spirit. And through the Spirit, we... We exude characteristics of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, faithfulness. And the list goes on because I couldn't memorize past there. Um, Galatians 5 verse 22 and 23 shows us this. That the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control. There is no law against things like this. So I'm here to tell you that God's shaping your character into these exact qualities through His Spirit. He wants that for you. Because when you do such things, as we'll read later in Romans, that nothing can separate you from the love of God and the love that you exude to others. Something I'm learning lately is that we tend to quit when when the littlest opportunity comes, you know, because somebody did something to me, like we talked about with the traffic example. Oh, you should have seen the way that person looked at me when they cut me off, you know, that we make excuses for why we quit, but we need to have an unbreakable kindness, an unbreakable love, unbreakable self-control that nobody can compromise. I've heard it said before that when you break down the word of integrity, it almost means untouchable, that nothing can touch the wholeness that's there. You are made in the image of God, as we've said, so we can exude untouchable kindness, untouchable grace, untouchable peace, and goodness and faithfulness. That no matter how mean or or how awful we think that other person might be, that we get to show them the love that God showed us. Amen?
So Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 3 says, this is probably my favorite verse. Uh, I think I, yep, perfect. Therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, I encourage you to live as a people worthy of the call you've received from God. Conduct yourselves with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Accept each other with love. And make an effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit with the peace that ties you together. So, what Paul's writing about here is exactly what we're talking about. That, first of all, there's a worthiness to the call. And you can't earn that. That can't be worked for. And let me tell you that through Christ, we're able to experience that nonetheless. And that's what's amazing, that we get to experience that love, that joy, that patience, and that humility that's going to make you whole. With this, Paul says, be humble, be gentle, be patient, bear with one another in love. These are characteristics that God is trying to build through the opportunities in your life to show to others, because God's that way too, as we've seen. Uh, Next verse is Romans 5, 3, verse 4. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around a lot, but I just want to make this point that throughout the Bible we talk about characteristics and that God wants you to build that, and He is building that in your life. So not only that, we even take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Hope through character. Oh, I didn't see this before. Bingo. We can have unbreakable hope in what God is building in us, no matter what we face. And that's something that is a relentless character that's being built in you. Have hope, no matter what is going on, that God is doing something in your life and that he's built you to function for now. Like we said earlier, that God isn't going to give you more than you can handle. So ask him for the strength if you feel like you can't, but you can handle it because God's built that character in you. So in in times of trouble and problems, we always take it as a chance to buckle down and kind of get upset that something's happened. And we always think it's, oh, why, why am I being punished right now? Woe is me, you know? And I'm not trying to, I'm at fault for this, a lot too, but what I'm learning is that obviously count it all joy, but that joy can come from the hope in the character God's producing in us. Hmm. Amen? Amen. Amen. And uh, another verse is Colossians 2, verse 5 says, For though I am absent, in body, I am present with you in the spirit and delight to, dis- to see how disciplined you are and how firm in your faith Christ is. So we've seen interesting characteristics through these verses that Paul writes and to, to the churches that we have to have perseverance. We can gain hope. We can get discipline. And discipline's a hard one because discipline will keep you consistent in that character as well. And I know we don't like talking about discipline today because especially with what I've heard of parenting these days is that 
we like timeouts more than we like discipline, but that's besides the point. Um, sorry. Side note. Um, I'm going to get focused, Lord. Uh, anyways, discipline's important because discipline corrects. Discipline calls us out when we're not doing the right thing and checks us to do the right thing, you know? Discipline is vital to maintaining that character that God is building in you. You see, through the Bible, we can see how God wants us to operate in that character that we're talking about. He wants us to be disciplined, patient, wise, loving, and faithful. Because think of all the opportunities God's had to not be faithful to you and not be loving. But he did. So we have to make sure we understand the concept of what God's done for us and show that to others. Now uh, turn with me to Romans 8, if you would. I love Romans 8. Uh, It talks about a lot of our thinking. And if I can recall your memory, thinking is related to what? Character. Character. So, there, is no, there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, I want to stay here a minute. So, like Judas, he had condemnation on himself that prevented him from experiencing the faithfulness of God. We can condemn ourselves more than others and more than God does. And he never intended you to be that way. So, I... I've heard it said before, the hardest thing is to sometimes forgive yourself for something. And that's not a conceited statement. That's just some, some of us it is. It's hard to forgive ourselves for things. But if the creator of the universe doesn't hold it against you, then why should you? Following that, um, verse 2, the law of the spirit of life And Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death, like we just talked about. Next verse, please. Thank you. Uh, God has done what is impossible for the law, since it was weak because of selfishness. God condemned sin in the body by sending his own son to deal with sin, and in the same body as humans who are controlled by sin. So obviously sin is referencing, I'm sorry, in the other translation I've read, it, it talks about the flesh, and sin references the flesh here. But obviously, God sent Jesus so that it breaks that law. He loves you enough to break that law through sending his son. So, like we said, don't condemn yourself. God is building something in you. Uh, the next verse. He did this so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That we're not worthy of it. We don't deserve any of it. But he still loves us enough for, us, for him to make us whole. And that the righteous requirement might be fulfilled in us. So for it to be fulfilled... At one point, it has to be growing. Next verse. I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, next verse, please. People whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things, 
But those who lie, whose lives are based on the Spirit think about the things related to the Spirit. So I've been leading up to this. God is trying to build character in you. But also, we can see that character as the Spirit. The Spirit is going to exude things from you, characteristics of itself. So when you've accepted it and when you encounter God, you're going to express the qualities of it. Next verse, please. The attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death, but the attitude that comes from the Spirit leads to life and peace. So in ways, when we're encountering these situations to to make decisions of how we're going to react, we have to make sure that we're not being selfish. We have to make sure that when that person cuts us off, that we don't act out of selfishness. Because that's going to breed some death inside of you. But I'm here to tell you that attitude that when you choose the Spirit's response to something, choosing to let go and say, you know what? It is what it is at this point. That when we choose the Spirit's response, it leads to peace. See, you could have lost your peace laying on the horn, but if because you didn't, you're going about your day. Next verse, please. So the attitude that uh, is ho- so the attitude that comes from selfishness is hostile to God, because God isn't like that, and we've seen it because He's holy. He's set apart from it. And he can't be that way. So, by acting that way, we set ourselves apart from God. Like we talked about with Jonah quickly, that he set himself apart from God by running from the call, selfishly, because he thought he was right, and that the people of Nineveh shouldn't be saved. So, we have to remember to submit to what God's told us to do. And when we do that, we have... A life of peace. Next verse, please. So, Paul really wanted to make this point. People who are self-centered aren't able to please God. So when we make decisions to act out of our self-character, the character that we think we create, we're not able to please God. And I'm here to tell you that there's no greater feeling that when you please God, that you can't be more fulfilled in your life any other way. So when we try and react how we want to react, that's not what God's called us to do. He's called us into loving and, and faithfulness and, and grace towards the other people in that situation, in whatever circumstance you're in. Next verse, please. But you aren't self-centered. Instead, you are in the Spirit. In fact, God's Spirit lives in you. And if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Him. So is it a jump to say that if we don't embrace the character God's building in us, we don't belong to Him? Because we have a whole world right now that says we're Christians, but then don't exemplify any character of it. And I'm not trying to go off on anything, but let's... The Spirit is alive in you. Act like it. 
Be excited because God is building something in you today and that he's building that character and those opportunities that he wants you to act in his spirit for you and for others. Amen. Next verse, please. If Christ is in you, the spirit is your life because of God's righteousness, but the body is dead because of sin. See, when we look at Jesus and what he came to do, he obviously came to be the Savior, but also he exemplified the life that we need to live ourselves. And because when we have the Spirit of God in us and we exude those characteristics of it, Christ is alive in you. Do we see that, church? Hmm. That's so powerful because then when we act in the spirit towards others, we're acting as Christ has treated us. And that's such an impactful point that we have to understand that in a world that is, is hurting, that is going through situations that they don't know how to handle and going through lives that are broken and unwhole and unfulfilling, that we need to be that light and that spirit and have that spirit of Christ's righteousness in us and alive in us to show that to everyone else. Because God loved you enough to do it for you. Amen. Amen. Next verse, please. If the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your human bodies also through the spirit that lives in you. So, with the Spirit, there's life, there's wholeness, there's peace. Everything that you could humanly possibly need, God knows, and he put it in that Spirit for you. Next verse, please. Actually, I'm going to skip ahead due to time, but... uh, Could you skip down to verse 18, please? Thank you. I believe that in present suffering is nothing. Let's, let's take a second to point out that word. Nothing compared to the glory that is going to be revealed in us. See, God's building something in you with this character. And he has it for you. He just needs you to embrace it and stick to it. That this present suffering whatever you're going through isn't anything compared to what he's building in you. Next verse, please. The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. So creation is waiting for you to act in these characteristics. God's waiting for you to show the character he's building in you. And there's a world that needs that and is waiting on it. Okay, next verse, please. Creation was subject to frustration, but not by its own choice. It was the choice of the one who subjected it, but in hope, in the hope. I'm sorry. Skip down to verse 28, please. This is my last verse here. Um, This is probably one of the most important. This is important here to get. 
that God, if, it, if your situation doesn't feel good yet, then God is not done with it yet. Amen? That God works all things for the ones who love him and for the ones who are called according to his purpose. So, again here, we want to know that God has called a character in you and then called you to a purpose as well. So that character he's building in you is going to be specific to something he wants to do in you and do with you throughout your life. So, protect that character. This is, this is the hard part. Learn to be disciplined. Learn that, check the thoughts that come in when, when bad situations come up and you want to react. Even when good situations come up, check that you're reacting the right way. Uh, form godly habits. Habits determine a lot of what we do and who we are too. And I've learned this through this past year that God gives us some great habits to do. We can see it throughout the Bible with Daniel praying when he was told not to. That gave him the strength to be able to function in the lion's den. Because I don't know about you, if I was in the lion's den and didn't pray probably, I wouldn't make it. So, but protect that character, okay? Protect the character that God is building in you. Be steadfast to it as we're called to So, my final example is this. That I connected earlier that in my life, being here and just even stacking chairs felt like the littlest thing. But little did I know, someday I would use it in this final example here. And watch this. Hold on. So, view these chairs as the character God is building in you. Okay, I promise I'm not on any medication. I'm just making a point here. So, in that opportunity God had for you to not, you know, lay on the horn in the car, and you chose to to not do that and follow what God's character is for you, He built step one. Okay, the next thing that God might be doing, and these are just examples that. You got a bad health diagnosis, but we serve a God that works all things. And I said all. All things together for our good. And you're being steadfast to that hope that we have in him. God is building something in you. He's building hope. And he's building hope in you. And a trust in the character of himself. Don't want to go off the notes. Next, your past comes to haunt you. And you're ousted by somebody and you feel such shame and self-condemnation. But earlier as we read, there's how much condemnation? No condemnation by Christ who saved us. So I'm here to tell you that through this, God is building something. He's building this great character through you. That one chair at a time even sometimes. That he's building something in you. That you've chosen to stay consistent to that spirit that he's put in you. Next, you're waiting for that long lost family member to return home. 
You're waiting for that hypothetical prodigal son child to come back and find the Lord. That every day you're praying for that person to come back and find the, find the Lord. That you're praying for them. And you're holding... Oh, whoopsie. <laughs> Got it. You're holding God's faithfulness in your hands. And you're choosing to be faithful because God loves us all. And that stacks that character that he has for you. But, obviously I had two more, but it is what it is. We're running short on time. But, but you see this, that God is building something in you. Be excited that through these circumstances and trials that may come, he's building something in you. He's going to build this great character in you. And I know everybody comes in here with their own issues and their own circumstances. But let me tell you that God is greater than all of them. And that as we talked about in the beginning, God is amazing and he's faithful and he's loving and he's caring and he's gracious. And he's not going to just leave you at chair one. He's going to bring you up. He's got something for you. Um... Finally, I just want to read uh, Romans 8 verse... uh, Actually, never mind. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. So, before we close, I just want us to take five minutes. And what the Bible told us to do earlier is that we're supposed to bear in one another's burdens and bear with each other in love. So, I think I want to take just a couple minutes... If you wouldn't mind, we can end the live stream and, hey, it's been a great run. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, just take a couple minutes. Just find the person next to you. Just simple prayer. Just pray that we know and we have that joy and hope that whatever we're going through, God is building something. And to get excited about it and, and let that overflow in your character and in your life. So we could just kind of get into small groups just for a couple minutes, three minutes, just if one person wants to pray or you all want to pray that, hey, whatever you want to do. But just if we could group up in some small groups, I'd super appreciate that.